Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hello and welcome back to Women in Music. I'm your host, Millie Cotton. On this week's episode, I chatted to the wonderful Freya Ridings. I've also got two tickets to give away for her show, which is in London this Thursday. To enter, you can head over to iTunes and leave us a rating and a review, leaving your Instagram handle in the review comment. I'll also be running the competition on Instagram, so head over to the Women in Music page, which is at Women in Music Podcast, to find out more details there. I really hope you enjoy this week's episode, and thanks for listening. Hey Freya, it's so nice to meet you. So I start every podcast with a quick fire round. Uh-huh. What's your favourite dance move? My favourite dance move has to be something like, I feel like when you just jump up and down and lo- lose control of like your neck and then the next day you're kind of like, wow, that was really fun, but I can neck it. You know that kind of like Beyonce, like just go for it. Oh, just like throw yourself into it. Sort yeah. Of, yeah, whatever. Just throw your hair around. Yeah. Your craziest fan story. My craziest fan story has to be a bit of a, let me think, let me think. It's really strange. I mean, this is not the craziest one, but like it's strange when you get on a plane and mm. you're not really sure what time the plane is and you don't know when it's going to land like in Germany. And then someone has worked it out and has come to the airport and like they've worked it out. I'm like, how did you guys know? Like, honestly, I didn't know what flight I was going to be on. That's, That's amazing. like amazing commitment. Yeah, yeah, for real. If you could play anywhere, where would it be? Hmm, this is a really interesting question. I feel like I've been really lucky enough to play at loads of my like, dream venues so far. Um, but playing at the O2, I feel like because that was the one where I used to like go with my mum to like see like Beyonce and take yeah. the sofa when I was growing up. That would be like a, for a Londoner. I feel like that is that and the Royal Albert Hall are my two my two babes. Have you done the Royal Albert Hall? Yeah, yeah. supporting Tears for Fears in 2017. It was oh, so amazing. And I literally like put it on a vision board like the week before and was like, this shit works. It happened really quickly. I was like, oh my god. I uh, recommend a vision board. <laughs> Twitter or Instagram? Oh my god. I live on Instagram, it's really bad. Like sometimes I check stories so much that like only one person has uploaded something to stories and I'm like, I need more stories. You don't follow enough people. You must <laughs> no, have to follow, follow have to follow more people. Uh, what was the first gig that you went to? The first gig that I went to was oh yeah, it was James Taylor at the Royal Albert Hall and it was with my parents and I think my mum had got tickets for her birthday and I was like four or five years old and I remember like looking over the, the balcony and being like oh this is such a pretty song because I remember hearing it's the first time I worked out that you could hear songs at home on a CD and then go and hear the person actually sing them live I like made those connections yeah like, I love that that you can actually go and see them sing these songs yeah, I don't know when that happened to me. Um, I've, yeah, I've got no idea. It's weird, isn't it? Yeah, it's not something I've ever thought about. I yeah, it's yeah. like four. <laughs> so what are you reading at the moment? Oh my God. So I'm literally obsessed with this book. My dad got me into it. And so many people recommended it. And it's called Lost Connections. And normally I really like sort of fiction, but actually non-fiction is like blowing my mind currently. And it's all about sort of where, like why as a generation we're more prone to like anxiety and depression because we've kind of lost those like core connections, mm. like those to people that we really, really need. Fascinating, couldn't recommend it more. It's incredible. I literally feel like I've learned something about like myself and the people I love like every single day. Yeah. And like, I read it, it's unbelievable. That sounds incredible. Um, what's a song that reminds you of childhood? Um, there are so many. I feel like probably like James Taylor. There's a song called Yellow and Rose. If I hear that, that was pretty much only played when I was like really, really young. 
It's always James Miller. It's weird. <laughs> At least it's more. consistent. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> Who was the last person that you text? The last person I will double check to make sure that it is. It is my boyfriend. <laughs> <laughs> and I was just saying thanks to her when we get ready because I was like a bit of, they were trying to pack and I couldn't find stuff. I was like, I can't find anything. He was like, oh, I'll help you calm down. I was like, thank you. Oh, boyfriends are the so best. I was just thank you for that. And lastly, for the quick fire round, what is your favourite song to play? My favourite song to play, oh my God. I feel like it's always a lovely feeling that, you know, I get to do so much of what I love because of Lost Without You. Mm. And I think I'll never stop really being grateful for that song. Firstly, for getting me through a really hard breakup. And then secondly, for being able to just, you know, tour the world and get to sing it with thousands of people. So I feel like there's something where I get to Lost Without You where I'm like excited. Yeah. I wasn't going to start with that song, but seeing as you've mentioned it, we might as well start with that song. Um, so with Lost Without You, what made you want to write it? Because obviously that's a really difficult thing to put pen to paper about. Maybe it's cathartic, but also, yeah, that's a, like a lot to share with the world. When I wrote it, I honestly never, like, I remember most songs kind of come out in chunks, like sort of, you know... That sounds really gross, actually. <laughs> it's like, like chorus or something first. And this song came out like from the first line to the last line, like completely. Cause it was like, it was based in so much like, like raw honesty. And it's almost to the point where like, I opened my eyes and I was like, I'm never gonna play that for anyone. That was almost too hard to sing. And I feel like there were songs like, there's a few songs on the album that very early on, like I literally couldn't play them without crying. And I was like, well, I'm never gonna get to play this art, like live in front of an audience. And then suddenly it was like, you know, I play it to my family and they'd be like, you know, just play it one gig, just see what happens. Mm-hmm. And then like that gig would turn into like three and then 10 and then it just kind of escalated. And then I had it, and that was the reason why I got my indie deal. And it was, it's one of those things where I look back to the pain and the like the loneliness I wrote it in. And then you're on stage at Glastonbury and it's like 30,000 people are singing it with you. And you just have to like, you just have to jump back to that moment and be like, how did this moment turn into this moment? But I think that's the beauty of songwriting is that you can turn your most painful moments into your, you know, greatest. Yeah, absolutely. No, that must be so true. And that must be in like an incredible feeling. It's unbelievable. Literally. And there was one at Electric Picnic in Ireland as well where I'm not joking, it was like, I've never heard people sing that loud with me. It was literally like you could feel it. Like your whole, my whole like, chest was like vibrating with like people singing. It was crazy. How did you get used to that? Is it like, <laughs> you do you don't. get used to it? You don't, you don't. Yeah. But I think this summer was the first time that I'd ever conscious, well, not like consciously, but you just try and like take in these moments and not just get like hit by them, but really like absorb them and be like, I am so grateful for this moment because you never know when you're going to get to sing with 30,000 people again. And I think like getting to Glastonbury and Wilderness and these big UK festivals that mm. I've never been to. It was just like... Oh my God, as if you hadn't been to... I, I love been. Wilderness. I and Latitude. Been. I saw you at Latitude. Yeah, it was amazing. Yeah, Latitude. Yeah. I love Latitude. Yeah, Latitude was, was such, such, such a nice festival. Honestly, like, yeah, if you don't play it next, you should just go and have, like, a nice time. It's such it's... a good way to scope out festivals. Yeah. Playing them. Oh, well, For really? real. I wouldn't know. But... That's a really good idea, literally. Like, you can just scope out, like, the ones that you want to go to next year or, like, you know, yeah. come back to. But it's just an incredible honour that I, like, even get to do this. I'm just really just lucky. You're also incredibly talented, so it's not really, like, just being lucky. But, no, there is something, I don't know what it is, but, like, playing the exact same songs at open mic nights, like, mm. three years ago, there's something weird. It's, like, there's this place called Spiritual Bar in Camden, which is, like, this little bar, and they do open mic nights. 
And I used to go down on like Tuesday nights and be like, does anyone want to write? Like, does anyone want to like, collaborate? And like, then getting to like the last headline show we did in London was at the Roundhouse. And it was yeah. like the queue went all the way down the high street. And it was just like getting to see those two worlds kind of collide. I don't know. I feel like, if it, I don't know. It's just like two different worlds. It's yeah, they're very, they're like two very different things, aren't they? And then when you think about your, like your writing process in general, so with Lost Without You, that was, you sat down and wrote the song, mm. but you said usually you write it in chunks. So when it came to writing your album, how yeah. long did that take and what was the process like? It's just been a continual flow of like, I've been writing songs since I was nine. So the second that I found that, you know, that was what I loved, I think because I was so bad at everything at school, mm. like I really struggled with like reading, writing. I still don't write with a pen. I physically not held a pen how, and typed out any words this entire time. How it's do worrying. you write? I write literally just with my voice memos and like just singing. Do you? That's it. I've never touched a pen. And I think it's a dyslexic thing where I'm almost scared of putting pen to paper. I'm just like, uh, I just, it almost yeah. stops me thinking. And I always think that when you're sat at the piano, if you shut your eyes, you can kind of go to that deeper subconscious place that sometimes is harder for me anyway with like looking at a computer or a pen it's like you just have to get lost in that world mm. and that feeling um but so it happened really organically over many many years it's almost like the hunger games they they kind of had to fight to stay stay in the album there were so many songs that were like this will definitely be on the album like two years ago like, nope it's not on the do, album no more do a b-sides or something <laughs> i think that's the exciting thing about writing for the second one is just watching watching these new ideas and these new voice memos like kind of come to life you're like oh here they come like yeah. here comes the next generation of songs i'm excited i read that you lost your phone at glastonbury it with was... your voice memos on it okay rebecca was there wasn't we spent like two hours running around glastonbury oh being like God. has anyone seen a, a sparky iphone have you seen a sparky and was iPhone? this before you played as well yeah so... this was a day before yeah nightmare i was wanted to do a shot and be like Anyone seen a phone? But it's like it's such a it's a city. It's yeah. like losing your phone in London. I've not been to Glastonbury, so it's amazing. I don't know. Next year. Highly recommend. Yeah, definitely next year. So you were the first female since Kate Bush to write your entire album. How cool is that? I also like as if that's a thing. I had no idea that yeah. not more females wrote their own like know, entire albums. I think that was the thing. Was like it was a huge honor to find that out because I adore Kate Bush and yeah. just completely in awe of her. But it was also kind of shocking. You're kind of like, why is that true? Like, why am I the first woman in 30 years? It's a long time. Song in the top 10. Like, I do think there's this thing though where it's an against the odds vibe where the second that a female artist wants to write they're like cool we'll put you in with like 20 men double your age and just see what happens yeah it's like but shouldn't you find out the kind of artist she wants to be without that because i feel like that's quite like obviously working with people collaborating with incredible songwriters is always a great you know best thing Mm. but having that time to find out who you are as a writer and a woman on your own first some of the young artists and young females don't get that. Yeah. And I was so lucky to have parents who constantly championed my writing above, like, you know, just the singing. Yeah. I don't know, because being at Brit school as well, it was like, like at school, that all the boys would huddle around, like, sound on sound magazines and be like, oh, like, look at this plugin. Oh, like, look at this mic. Oh, that's so cool. And all the girls would, like, like crowd around, like, OK magazine. They're like, oh my God, she looks so thin. And I was like, this is weird. This is really sad. I was like, why are we defining ourselves? purely on how we look here and purely on how our music sounds here it's really really strange to me yeah it's like they shouldn't 
matter they should just go together no matter what they are almost yeah it's like obviously I mean young people like care about how they look but it's like we're at a performing arts school and I would be like does anyone want to write with me and they'd just be like no we're good and I was like okay was it quite an, like a competitive environment to grow up in I, I was only there for two years so oh, okay. it was like it wasn't my whole education it was more yeah. like just sixth form and because I'd been homeschooled before that it was quite a kind of I don't know, like, you go away for a couple of years, you're homeschooled, you come back and everyone's like, smoking, like, and, like, like drinking, you're like, oh, I've totally missed this, like, grown-up <laughs> boat vibe thing. Yeah. I think something about that was really good for me, that I didn't have that opportunity to, like, be, I don't know, like, peer-orientated. I kind of would just, I am still super close with my family, and I think mm. they really ground me in a place of being, like, you hold on to who you are, you write your own songs, do your own thing, we're never going to push this, this comes from you. Um, and at school it was like it was competitive but in a really strange way it was like some people are just born like popular and and, like they're going to do well and and you guys are not and I was definitely one of the ones that was not Um, and I think there's something so underestimating about like underdogs when you know, when teachers especially are like, you guys are good, you guys aren't. It's yeah. Like, See, we, I always we feel... had way more fire than the ones who were told they were brilliant. Exactly. I feel almost the opposite way that the kids who are popular at school aren't necessarily... Like, the ones I have on Facebook who are, like, you know, we're still, like, face it friends and whatever. Yeah. I'm like, oh, look at this cool job I do. Yeah, really. So you must feel, like, slightly the same, right? Like, there's nothing more satisfying... Not satisfying, but, like, rewarding than proving other people wrong. Yeah. It's rocket fuel. It's literal rocket fuel. And if you can take that and use it to make something that, you know, you're almost grateful to them for, it's just like... Because mm. it wasn't even, like, bullying. It was just, like... It's just complete ostracising. It's like they have no idea, like, a sort of what to do with me. They were just like, you're just not even in this world and I was like no I agree so I just used to go to the piano rooms and like just sort of you know sing and, and cry which is what I still you know <laughs> get to do on a daily basis which is really fun so what has changed for you since the album's been out oh my god I feel okay so yesterday I just finished my like it's the second year in a row that I've done a journal every single night mm. like a page of a journal and there's something about like doing a diary that's just incredible to like when you look back at the beginning of the first page of that diary and you're like oh what I wonder what the end is going to be like what's going to have happened so much happens it's just like it's you almost have to have it just to take it all in otherwise it just becomes a blur yeah um I think you know just things that would have been out of this world like not possible are suddenly like possible and it's like how was that even a thing I think playing Glastonbury was like one of those highlights where you're watching it on TV with your parents just like I heard that you were one of Michael Eves's uh, like favourite artists who were playing that weekend also how is that true that's like, so cool most of the people on the bill like people I love I was yeah. like how the hell did I get picked for that it's like I think because also he came to our show in Bristol and um, you know comparatively like a small show to a glass and break. Um and he came and he was like sort of you know second row and he was like dancing and singing and clapping and I was like <laughs> Sorry, this is actually happening. I told my dad, he's like, what? And I was like, this is just a world where I didn't think things like this could happen. But really slowly, I think you just become like, just, yeah, grabbing every single day and just be like, grateful. Yeah. You grew up in a fairly creative family, right? Crazy. It's really actually annoying. Because <laughs> I love them so, so much. And now they've all like, it's like my brother started getting into piano and he's like playing guitar. And my dad started playing piano, but he's more a guitar man. And my mum plays Celtic harp and she's like a writer. And they're all like actors. Yeah. So it's very bohemian, sort of theatrical, loud. <laughs> but it's one of those families where 
they are just if someone needs something mm. we all just stop what we're doing and help that person and yeah. it's like that sense of like camaraderie is something that grounds me on a daily basis and it's like there's something so I don't know like adrenaline fueled and it's so and you come home and you just have that grounding like you know with real people who love what they do mm. it just sort of reminds you why you do it in the first place I also read that you were signed when you were 19 is that right no you were 19 and then you oh I was almost signed when I was 19 okay so you were almost signed when you were 19 and then it didn't work out so I was wondering like what how you deal with failures essentially because obviously everything's going really really well but back when you started oh no that hit me like a truck that was so because the Brit school I don't think many people well I know many people go through like their family sacrifice a lot for them to like have the education that you know they think will help them yeah my whole family like literally like they like remortgage so I could like we could move across the city so I could actually get in and be able to like physically be close enough to go it was like um, they, we didn't have a lot of money because I think people think you can just throw money at that and it will be yeah. fine but it was like that was a huge risk on their part I was like a you know a pony in a race and they like put everything on me and it was like holy crap and I think there's something about that where they put no pressure on me at all they were like this can go anyway we're just gonna give you the best shot you possibly can but it was a massive massive risk and so afterwards when I was almost like about to get a deal um with like a major I was so excited and I was like oh my god like all the years of like you know sacrifice my family mm-hmm. have like done all of this and like and then for that to just go in like a second was so like it was like being stripped of everything that you kind of felt like you'd worked for like held dear and it was so like you just felt like a crab without a shell you were just like what do I do now like this is this was everything I've worked towards since I was like nine and there's something where those years I had like sort of three years of of like writing and and starting again playing you know open mic nights around London meeting people it was like I I still say those are the years in the wilderness where everyone else went to uni and were like this is we know what we're doing and I was like I'm so lost guys (laughs) then it turned into a song that kind of and like that sort of time of heartbreak as well like when you lose a you know someone who's like your best friend it's like I don't know why big things can hit you all at once you know I think it's something to do with being young as well right like I think when you're younger things hit you a lot harder because you don't know you can come back from them exactly and you can that's the crazy thing my mum was like you know you've lost you know this person or like you know this deal and, and this management or whatever but you can rebuild like you can always write more this is okay you can literally come back from this and I think there was something about rising from those ashes that was just so exciting to me because like there's nothing more exciting than than standing on like the Brits red carpet and knowing that that person was like you're just not it's not like sad songs are never going to be cool like ever and like you need to change your name and your hair and then you'll be fine and I was just like standing on the red carpet with my full name and my red hair and like and a song that I wrote completely on my own and it's sad I was like this is a great feeling (laughs) and I've smashed it yeah no that's but it just it genuinely makes me so passionate about just showing or like just trying to show young girls that you can hold on to who you really are and it does work like just sort of morphing into what you think people want you to be is pretty much the worst thing you could do do you think there's a lot of pressure from certain labels or like the industry in general for young artists to become this like fabricated artist too and yeah. it's out of their fear it's not out of anyone's like genuine because I think fans respond to artists who they know are honest mm. and like even if you want to completely change your name and change your whole vibe it's like Lana Del Rey like a completely different name but her lyrics are and her voice is pure honesty 
like and you can feel it and I think those are the artists I've always really like looked up to and resonated with so for me it was like whatever makes you the most authentic version of yourself but it's also a risk like if you're doing something that everyone's like yeah that's totally cool there's something wrong with that yeah there's something wrong with that and also if they're pushing you towards the thing that makes them feel safe run the other way So, females in music, who would you love to collaborate with if you could collaborate with anyone in the world? There's so many. I feel like like Florence, like Taylor, Adele and Beyonce would be like my dream. Yeah. You know, like Lady Marmalade kind of yeah. situation. I would just like genuinely even be in the same room as any... I met Florence briefly once and it was like, it's still one of the craziest moments of my life because it was really early on. Like, yeah. I hadn't played any headline shows. And I met her when we were doing a session. She was in the big room and I was in like one of the small rooms and I bumped into her in the tea room. I just like, my jaw actually dropped. It was bizarre. That must have been like kind of a serendipitous moment though to be like recording in like, you know, the same building as you must have been like, shit, I'm doing the right thing. Yeah, it was just, I think it was the moment where I was like, wow, this world like can collide with another world. Like you can literally you know it was almost like getting on a spaceship and like actually going to meet one of your heroes it was like how has this happened but there was another part of me that was like I would just love to meet her one day like when we're both playing like a festival at the same time and we've played so many of the same festivals Mm. now I'm like this is it's just one of those things where when anyone likens me to any of my heroes like they was like oh do you find that weird I'm like no it's the biggest honor you could possibly have do you, I have this very slight problem with female comparison though, because I think that males don't necessarily have the same issue that they are compared they constantly to each other or they're, yeah, likened to another artist. That is a really good point. How do you feel about that? I actually thought about that, but there's always something about it where people are like, are you going to be upset by that? And I'm always like, why would that upset me? But then I'm like, maybe there is something to that that male artists like... They just aren't held up to the same sort of like... I don't know what the right I, the way I just phrased it basically. <laughs> so yeah, like, I'm friends with like you know, Lewis Capaldi and Sam Fender, and they're incredible artists, mm. like such freaking lovely human beings. Um, but I don't know who they get compared to. I just don't think it happens to men as often as it happens to women. It, it just seems right. to be like a thing that because then once you compare women's music, you compare like the way that they look, and then it's just yeah, not something that men generally have to deal with. No, and the whole you know. There's just many elements of it that are very, very different. I think the mm. industry as a whole is still like, it's not easy, I will give you that. But it's that thing where, you know, I have so much mutual respect for artists, but that thing where you do get sort of almost separated into a different category. And it's like, you have to kind of fight in a kind of calm, gentle way to remind people that you are just an artist writing songs and singing them. You know? Yeah, yeah, sure. What's been your most difficult experience as a woman this far it's quite like a specific question I guess but as a woman this is I feel like I've been incredibly lucky actually because I know that there are many situations that I could have been in in this industry that I've heard of from friends that I've worked with and it's like you hear stuff and I'm you know I'm really tall like I'm strong like I'm very lucky that I get taken you know seriously Mm. I think early on like one of the first men I ever worked with like a male producer and it came from a audition that I did at, Brit, at the Brit School and it was like the one audition I got out of like I did like a hundred <laughs> um, but I was so excited to work with him and it was just this thing where I don't know if it was like being young or being a woman I think it was there's something to do with where 
these sort of in the middle male producers not the really ones at the top they're the mm. ones at the top are lovely humble men lovely it's the ones in the middle that you have to sort of get past yeah. who are kind of like the gatekeepers and he was the one who was a bit more like you know what do you know like you don't know like you know, I know everything like blah and I just remember being like like he like swore at me once and I was like right you have crossed a line and I sort of stood up and I was like thank you so much for your time but like this is not going to be you know for me and I remember at that moment being so shaken then also being like you know what would Beyonce do what would my mum do and she would you know stand up and be like no mm. this is not okay but I just feel for the women who don't have that choice who are like oh yeah. I have to stay in this room with this producer who's an absolute twat. like otherwise know. I might not get anywhere it might be like the be well, no, he, sent, he sent an email after me like you're never going to get anywhere in this industry if you choose oh my God. You are, like you know have ideas and stuff and I was like this is baffling to me and then I've heard him have like terrible situations with, like other women who've said like they hate work yeah. too and I'm like oh it's not just me but when you're young and like in the industry that hit me hard I was like oh my god maybe he's going to go around telling everyone it's a small industry like you know mm. if you upset someone like that I was so scared and then I realised like he has to live with that mindset and ever since every every single person I've worked with has been a delight so yeah. it's like I think it was just early on having that experience it could have sent me on a very different path of being like I just hate this whole thing so I think having a family who would like no you're just going to write more songs going to move on it's fine I was like okay yeah I am yeah, nice. It's fine. And then suddenly you don't literally struggle to remember these people's names. <laughs> and I'm sure he's definitely following what you're doing, so... I don't even know. I think he might have stopped doing music. Because it's just like... I feel like some people lead very much with their own insecurities. And you just have to, as a woman especially, remind yourself that there's a lot of very sort of delicate, you know, ego-driven men in this industry. Mm-hmm. You have to sort of be like, it's not always about you. Yeah. And so finally... <laughs> finally what would be your advice for any young women who are hoping to I don't know either go to like the Brit school or do similar things to what you're doing right write all your own songs <laughs> um, but it's like it's not write you know all your own songs but it is like there is power in being able to write your own destiny like if I was if I was if I'd listened to what people said and I was waiting for one of these a man to write me a song I'd still be waiting you know mm. I wouldn't be here and I wouldn't be playing the shows that I get to play and I'm so grateful because it's like I finally found the tribe like in my band and my like, indie label that I never had at school you know I literally like wake up in the morning and I'm excited to go to work and I never had that I used to dread school every day so for me that's the greatest joy but that came from many years of like you know kind of if you want to do a massive transformation you need to have that time and that boredom and that isolation and sometimes you can sweep yourself away with like so many exciting things and you can be entertained the entire time but I think letting yourself be bored and letting yourself actually create the thing in your deepest deepest subconscious and the thing that almost scares you go there you know don't go for the thing that feels safe yeah no that's such a nice it's like a car at night which means you have to get an Uber home (laughs) that's such great advice thank you so much for giving your time up to me thank you for having me yeah it's been lovely Um, and thank you everyone for listening Mm -hmm.